three, two, one. There it is. All right, so we're back again. Yes. We are having what's known in the industry as technical times. Yeah, it's great. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, where do we even start now? I don't know. We were talking about, like, uh, Andrew Yang and his whole uh, platform to uh, give every American a thousand bucks before Craig left. Yeah, before so. Craig took a big dump on us. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that I always, I thought it was a good idea. It made a lot of sense until he, uh, until he stepped aside and, you know, bowed down to freaking hairy legs. Yeah. But then, uh, what's, what's funny to me is a lot of people were like criticizing him for that idea. And that's exactly what's happening right now. It's not like the exact same plan, but like they're just handing money out to people now. Yeah, it's it's very similar. And the interesting thing about this is, um, how they're saying it's it's because of tariffs and all of this stuff. Because uh, I mean, yeah. there's just so much going on right now with the defunding of the World Health Organization and all of that stuff. Uh, and uh, I understand, you know, why. Like China's been paying in fifty mil, fifty billion, and we've been paying in five hundred billion per year. Uh, yeah. And essentially defunding the World Health Organization is like a leverage to try to get them to pay more. Uh, but also this money, this... Ireland... Go ahead. Ireland stepped up their part. That's good. Um, and then the interesting thing is now this stuff is coming out with Bill Gates. And even since that article I sent you about working with the World Health Organization in China, it's, it's not looking get good for Billy. It's not looking good for him. Um, but yeah, all this money coming in, regardless, like, this this could be something different. Like I don't think they would pass a $2 trillion bill to get us in more debt unless there was a bigger plan behind the scenes. I mean, it's definitely yeah. possible. But I mean, there's been talks that I mean, the Treasury and uh, the, the Federal Reserve actually combined, it's done. The Federal Reserve now has to get permission from the Treasury Secretary to do anything, meaning okay. meaning the executive branch is in control of our currency again, which could that, – that means we're not paying interest. So if we're not paying interest, that means there's going to be a tax cut. We could very easily, very soon, see a period in our history where there is no income tax again and it's all sales tax. Really? That's what happened before World War II. Um, and I sent you a documentary talking about how the, the CIA during World War II times actually used propaganda through Hollywood to be able to push taxes on the American people before we went into the World War II. Uh, okay. Before then, there, uh, income taxes weren't a thing unless in time of war. But basically, we've been tricked into believing income tax is just a normal thing. We could get back to a point in our lives where we don't pay income tax anymore, just sales tax. So so then tax, like, doing taxes every year would not be a thing. Correct. Huh. Correct. No money taken out from your income, all done through sales tax. You have more money, you're going to spend more, sales tax is going to go up. Now, will the sales tax rate go up? Possible. Probably. 
Yeah, it's pro. It, it's not just possible; it's probable. And I'm okay with like, that, even if it went up to fifteen percent. Do it. Like I'm all for it. If I take home more money of my paycheck, and uh, you know I only get taxed for what I spend, you can't avoid taxes at that point. The only way you avoid right. taxes There's is no shelter. Yeah, you just you have to spend money. If you don't spend money, you're avoiding taxes. But then you just have paper. So right. I, I'm very fascinated with this whole thing. I don't know where it's going to lead, um, but I'm. I'm <laughs> how's Paul doing? That's what I was going to also ask. Uh, I I don't know. I haven't spoken to him in about a week or so. Did he disappear? He's not even going outside anymore. I I I haven't seen him in days. <laughs> <laughs> That's not to say that he's not going outside. To be fair, like the. Today's my first day at home in the like the last three, and then I had one day home before that, and then I worked th- three more days or whatever. Okay. So, so I haven't really been home that much. He's gonna be like um, on the personally. roof. He's gonna be on the roof doing push-ups. I I wouldn't be surprised, man. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he put up his ladder and is just like climbing up and down it for exercise at this point. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, he's just, just climbing up the ladder and then jumping off the roof and then doing like one of those uh, uh, ninja warrior rolls out of it and just continually doing that <laughs> over and over again. He's like it's not the virus, it's not the virus, and he's climbing up. <laughs> yeah, he's like convinced that uh, whatever vaccine they make for this, uh, the government's going to want to use it to put microchips into people and yeah. 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 I I don't know if you knew this or not, but, uh, Bill Gates has a, uh, it's like a lawsuit again or from India's government, uh, accusing him. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah. It's like accusing him of mass genocide or something. Yeah. For like, uh, creating a vaccine that, didn't really work and it wound up killing more people than it helped yeah this dude this is i'm so fascinated by this kind of stuff like this drug that they're talking about and they're discrediting through mainstream uh hydroxychloroquine chrome no hydroxychloroquine oh oh yeah the the malaria drug yeah yeah and and they're they've discredited it to the point where they're like if you take it it'll kill you um which somebody did take that in excess, but they took the, the like pool cleaner. It's a version of hydroxychloroquine, but it has something added to it. Uh, but they ran with the story that said, hey, this, this will kill you if you take it. And they're just lobbying against it, lobbying against it. The FDA finally approves it. And now we're seeing Washington start. We're seeing a lot of Democratic uh, senators and Congress people actually say the administration you know, said to use this drug, I personally took it. There was a Democratic senator or congresswoman that almost died. She was on her deathbed and she took hydroxychloroquine and she was better in three days. Same with Boris Johnson. Um, and that hasn't officially come out that Boris Johnson took it, but there's, there's speculation that that's the drug he's taken. And the speculation well, behind this drug being so ridiculed is that it could be the solve for a lot of diseases, Lyme disease, the normal virus, the normal influenza A, um, yeah, and just heavily well, lobbied I against. I mean, hydroxychloroquine mm-hmm. is 
I mean, it's an anti-parasitic drug is what it is. Okay. Uh, originally. So I'm going to type it in here. Uh, number one thing searched on Google right now. Uh, That's another but, thing. All the censorship on Google that I've been talking about over the years has been, it's gone. They've removed it. It's like, what? Google is no longer They've censored. removed it? Google is no longer censored the way it used to be. Yeah. Um, so, Quinaprox is its uh, trade name, and it is used to treat malaria, like I said, which is a parasite. Um, and... It's an anti-rheumatic, which means it's an anti-fever. Like it, uh, so there's like different types of fevers, and one of them's rheumatic fever, uh, which is an autoimmune type of fever. And it's they also use it to treat rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, it can obviously, just like other medicines, cause problems. Um. I'm looking at drugs.com, which is a common source that uh, a lot of healthcare providers use to pull up quick information about a drug. And uh, COVID-19 stuff popped up when I pulled up this drug. Uh, right. And the interesting thing is, like, this medical information that providers use, a lot of it is clinical trials, and some of it's done in, in laboratories as far as like universities or private uh corporations but what they're finding and you know this is at this point i don't have any sources to reference i'll just put it out there that a lot of the clinical trials that come out are funded by the same pharmaceutical companies that create the drug in the first place yeah. which i think is yeah, crazy well, and it's like, how how can you say it's a non-biased study at that point? You can't. Right, and they'll say, like, well, it was done by a third-party lab, but then when you see where they got the funding from, it's like the amount of funding. Um, you know, how many third-party, like, small universities have done studies and found different conclusions, but Big Pharma had enough money to silence it and say, shut up. Yeah, yeah, and it's... Uh, uh and that that's been a big problem in pharmaceuticals for a long time and i don't know maybe for the general public that's kind of uh like groundbreaking news but for me it's not really that groundbreaking because they they tell you all through like pretty much any medical school you go through whether it's nursing physician blah 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 when it comes to drugs and the studies done on those drugs and uh, like when you're reading research papers and stuff, you have to look at where the funding came from because you want to be aware of bias. Uh, if, if uh, let's say, Samsung came in to your life right now and was like, we're, we're going to give you $10 million and you just have to say, all you have to do is use a Samsung product for your TV, computer, phone for the rest of your life and say how good it is. Right. Even though it may not be the best thing out there, if they did that, a lot of people would be like, sure, give me my $10 million. Right. Yeah, no, it's, you it's, know, yeah, it's a, it's a rampant problem in every sector of, uh, 
of, of that's a big part of uh, capitalism, I suppose. And uh, yeah, that it goes into that. And that doc- for those of you, I'm referencing a documentary. It's called uh, Out of Out of Shadows. Really good documentary. It talks about a lot of this. It goes into um, a 40s project funded by the CIA called Operation Mockingbird. It's a real thing. You can look it up. And basically, uh, it was the CIA funneling money to journalists and big companies to write articles and fake interviews to progress a certain agenda over a long period of time. Uh, and the same thing happens in the pharmaceutical industry as well. Because it's all about the money in the end. Yeah. Um, and I mean, uh, it's it, it's not surprising to me. Like, a lot of people hear that and they they might go, really, the government does that? It's like, of course they do. Every government does stuff like that, you know? Right. Look, look at North Korea. Okay, you're an American. You you have freedom, or whatever. But if if you look at North America, not North America. If you look at North Korea for through your like American lens, just for a second, and see like all the propaganda and stuff they're fed that you know is propaganda, you're 100% aware that it's propaganda. Is a person that grew up in that country who's never left that country aware that it's propaganda? Probably not. Yeah, not at all. Um, you know, they've been getting told the same thing for the last 40 years. Yeah, it's right? yeah, so. it's totally insane. Um, yeah, and, and yeah, I don't think most people would even have the, the concept of that. Uh, and I, I got reminded it through that documentary, and the documentary was actually one of the head guys. Two of the head guys were two of the head stunt actors in Hollywood. Uh, they they okay. worked with like Tom Cruise, George Clooney, uh, pr- pretty much all the big names. Like he, they were the stuntman for stuntman for Batman, for Spider Man. So they've been in the industry. Uh, and basically, okay. what the telltale sign for him was is uh, when you know North Korea hacked Sony because of that movie Seth uh, Rogen and James Franco made. Uh, the interview? Yeah, and he said, like, in internal discussions, he found that these big executives were emailing people within the CIA. And he's like, oh, okay, that's right. that's probably pretty normal. I mean, there's probably nothing wrong about that. It's a big hack. It's probably, you know, they're, they're probably, you know, talking to them, or their friends or yeah. whatever. But the more he dug into it, he realized that because all of the stuff we see on TV, all the networks, uh, Netflix, all all of it is owned by five companies. It's all owned by five companies. Oh, yeah. And then... Uh, oh, yeah. Basically, he, he was alluding to that these these uh, people would be lobbied by different industries, like these, these uh, intelligence agencies, and they would okay. push their uh, agenda through media. And there's actually... Uh, documents that he provided that's part of the Freedom of Information Act that says uh, it it basically has the president and vice president of Disney talking to the CIA uh, talking about how to use movies and TV for psychological warfare. Uh, It's it's insane. It's so cool, but it's insane. Yeah, and it it really is uh, like... The information's out there if people are willing to dig for it. 
Like that's that that's the thing is um it it is out there, you know, and you just have to want to look for it. But the problem is is a lot of people don't want to look for it and I I I don't like to sound like a conspiracy theorist. I I don't think I am a conspiracy theorist. Uh I do entertain the ideas of conspiracies from time to time, but it, for me, I'm a very objective person, so if information is laid in front of me and stuff to back up that information is also put in front of me, then my mind will start to shift a little bit. And that's the thing is a lot of people aren't willing to even take that step, in my in my opinion. Right, and I, I would agree with you too. I think I'm a little bit more... Uh, I'm not even going to say open-minded because that's not, I'm, I'm, I don't want to say that, but I'm a little bit more, I guess, open to accepting that kind of stuff, mostly because it's fun for me. Um, right. But then when I see the documentation supporting it, then that just like reinforces it. And it, that might be right. more of like my optimistic perspective and thinking like, oh yeah, that, that would be a better outcome if that was true. Because if that was true, there's a problem we could solve. Uh, and then every time right. I see documents supporting that, it's kind of like, oh, wow, if this is reinforcing my original, like, you know, theory of uh, it's building a conspiracy theory into conspiracy. And I think that's that's I think that's fun. I just enjoy it. Yeah. And, and my my biggest concern is uh, having people think of me like I'm Alex Jones, you know. See, I Making think the freaking frogs gay. That guy's a shill, man. And I know he's a shill. What? He's a shill. What do you mean? I believe now now knowing what I know cuz I used to watch Alex Jones a lot, right? And then they started right. getting into this like uh Washington starts getting into this capitalistic crackdown and now all of a sudden we're starting to see the Alex Jones, the Fox News, the um Drudge Report, all of these quote-unquote conservative outlets are turning against uh, the administration. So it's like, right. okay, right. we'll be nice to you as long as you progress our agenda. But now that this has gone into full gear, you're seeing all right. the media, all the media, except everyone's turned all the mainstream. Yeah. yeah except, uh, except independent media, which is under attack on YouTube right now. And Facebook, if you talk about 5g on Facebook, you're banned. If you talk about, um, you know, treating coronavirus, you're banned. If you talk about certain things, you get banned. And uh, they're, they're just huh. losing the slip of narrative. Like, if you go type in anything about 5G right now on Facebook, you're, it's going to be removed. That post will be removed. Um, so, Like, even if I just put the, the, the number 5 and then G next to it. If you put, uh, we should look into 5G's health ramifications, you'll probably get banned. Huh. Um, Interesting. So it's all this weird stuff of of basically losing the narrative. And honestly, if Alex Jones was breaking all this amazing inside news, why would he be allowed to have even his website platform? Because he has a big reach. Um, and if anything, when he got banned off social media, I think that gave him more attention than anything. Right. And uh, for those of you uh, that know me, and maybe friends with me on social media. Um, just in in light of my new job and 
how many encounters I've had at my new job with people from my past that I don't really talk to anymore. Um, I have changed my name, so if you're looking for me via, via profile name, you're not going to find me. Uh, just reach out with a text message, uh, or if you were already a friend of mine and whatnot, reach out to me on Messenger, but you're you're not going to find me via profile name. Yeah, I, I did notice that. Me. I was wondering what that was about. I was like, oh man, did he like snap and just change everything? Are you going to move out no, to Thailand it, now? It's 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 more of like a precautionary concern for the for 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 the safety of uh, my family and uh, for the security of my job, really, because. Uh, you know, uh, the people I'm running into uh, are part of the medium and maximum security crowd. And they know me, and I don't think they would personally do anything to harm me. But what I don't want to happen is for somebody else in that unit to get upset at that guy or that girl. Right. And uh, then get released, and come looking at looking for me in retribution because they all talk to each other. Like, you know, you've got nothing but time, right? There, and they're gonna talk to each other. So, like, it it was just a it's a precautionary thing on my part. I kind of want to. I don't. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Like I, I really want to become a police officer, um, and I've thought about that same thing, like the public, uh, public ramifications and whatnot, and and being a little bit more careful with disclosing personal information. Um, right. But at the same yeah. time, I I think it's I, I've seen a lot of cool police officers that have turned their career into like a YouTube channel, uh, and they right. get a following or their podcast or whatever. And they're, they're very careful with their personal information. One of the guys didn't show his face for a long time. Um, but it was all at the basically permission of the department. And if, if you do right. it right and you're, you know, courteous and you know, you don't say some of the things that we've said in the past, uh, on other, or me in particular in the past on, on the last episodes, it can really be a good PR thing for departments. Well, and I I don't know. I feel like I'm pretty cautious about what I say. Yeah. I don't feel like my job's in in jeopardy as far as like the things that I talk about most of the time. It it's really just a matter of uh I I don't want to upset someone at work, and then because then they get released or whatever, and the all they have all day, 24 hours a day is to like, all they have to do is remember my name and repeat it to themselves over and over and over again. Right. And then like they get out and they, they look for me. And a, a lot of the, the, um, I mean, it, it's really just a respect thing. If you show respect, they show respect. And so I'm not having much of an issue with, with, that at all uh it's it's just more like if i have to upset somebody by like refusing them meds because it's not ordered right and 
for if that for some reason like carries over for weeks or months. Yeah. Yeah. No. I. T- yeah. You've never said anything like as far as like jeopardizing anything. There. There's only one thing that you've ever said that I have marked down on a specific episode that if it gets re released, we'll bleep it out. But you gave your personal phone number one time, and now now it's off the air. <laughs> But if somebody wanted to find you with that, they could probably do a pretty good job. Yeah, I don't even remember doing that. It was for the uh, the suicide hotline thing. Oh yeah, yeah. When I was like, you know, if you need to talk and you don't want to call them, call me. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So I have that marked. I'm not sure where I have it marked, but I have it marked. So when that gets re-released, we'll just bleep it out. Um. But you did give the suicide hotline number, so we'll keep that in, but we'll take out your personal number just in case. Yeah. Yeah, because um, I'm, I'm really uh, big on suicide prevention. I, I had a friend right at the end of high school commit suicide. Um, since I've been in the military and out of the military, I've had a couple of friends from the military commit suicide as well. And, you know, a lot of them just never saw it coming. So Right, yeah, it's a, it's, no, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that it takes everybody by surprise and no one's prepared for it. Yeah, and, and I, I am, like, I don't care how inconvenient it is for me, I, I don't know if it was you or someone else writing with me at the time, but I had a buddy of mine uh text me while i was driving and asked for the veterans crisis number and i pulled over on the side of the freeway and talked to him on the side of the freeway i think i do remember somebody texted you like in in like one of your marine groups and then you messaged him back your phone number and then after you left i think you told me uh he called you yeah yeah uh, 100%. And that I, cause you know, like loss of life is going to happen, whether it's disease, war, famine, you know, all the, all this other bullshit, we don't need to lose more people to suicide. Right. Uh, and, and so, and I've been in a, a position myself where I've been considering that. And so I, I just, it, it's not something that I want to uh, if I knew I could prevent it in any way, I would. I don't want that on my head. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, so that that's why in that episode I gave out my number. But you make a valid point. And at the time, I didn't think I would be working where I'm working. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's hard so, to. It's hard to. You can't really predict those things. You you can't predict a year into the future. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, dude. So I want to bring up, I want to ask you about the, because uh, I, I texted you out of nowhere because it caught me by surprise and it got me really excited. But uh, the security clearance that I was telling you about. Oh, with with your dad? Yeah, dude. I might, so I'll kind of paint the picture. I was talking, we were all out in the living room, just sitting around and my sister was over and like, I don't know, my mom said, or, Somebody said, I think my sister said, there's something at work I can't tell you. And I was like, and, and my dad was all mad about it. He's like, well, if, if we don't tell anybody, then you can tell us. And I was like, oh, okay, then you can tell us about the projects you worked on at work. 
And he's like, no, I can't do that or whatever. And I was like, why? So what did you have? Did you have secret clearance? He's like, no, I had the top. And I was like, oh, okay. So you had top secret? He's like, no, I had Q. And I was like, at first I thought I like misheard it and my heart just dropped. And I was like, you had what? He's like, I had Q clearance. And that's where I was like, I started freaking out, dude. I texted you. <laughs> I texted yeah. you. I texted like yeah. a couple other people. And I was like, it does exist. It does exist. Because <laughs> I had no idea. For the longest time, mainstream media was saying that that was a fake thing. So. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't even know Q was a clearance level. It's a Department of Energy clearance level. Really? So, That's odd. Yeah, so it requires uh, top secret clearance, and then it's a need-to-know basis. So it's granted to people that have to be on certain bases. Um, so as far as like... It, or like maybe nuclear yes, um, yep. reactors and stuff. Right, so it's very compartmentalized from what he was telling me. Um and basically it's just like information that's given to them and they would work on like a specific part. But when it comes to the Intel, they had to like lock it up in certain procedures and put it behind X amount of locks. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what it is. It exists. So you think this QAnon thing, do you think that's somebody with that uh, level of clearance leaking info? It could be because at that point they would have they would have to also have top secret clearance and a need to know basis clearance. Well, I mean, top secret comes with that, I guess. But um, yeah, it, it goes uh, sensitive secret L clearance and then you have Q clearance. And those are all separate need to know basis within top secret clearance through the Department of Energy. Yeah, because I, I had top secret, but it was probably like the base level. Right, and they, there's even the highest level of clearance that I'm aware of is Yankee White clearance, which is given to the vice president. Okay. It's basically access to every clearance, and the more I looked into it, every single entity of the government has their own strains of top secret. Um, I mean, there's, Q, there's okay. Q clearance, there's Q plus clearance, there's... Uh, all these different letters, all the alphabets, and uh, the alphabet boys. Yeah, and it just seems very compartmentalized. And the more I dug into it and was asking my dad about it, it just seems very compartmentalized to be like, "This is what you need to know, get it done," and it's serving the greater cause type thing. So, as you were growing up, what did you think your dad did? Well, I I knew he's like a machinist and works for the government, uh, and worked on like military weaponry and like secret service stuff um i know they worked a lot on like the framework for um basically the machine guns that lift out of suvs so i knew okay. i knew he worked in that kind of stuff but i was not aware that he had such the high clearance and i guess that clearance took a very long time to get because they had to an fbi agent had to actually interview pretty much everyone that he knew Yeah, well, I mean, it, it also makes sense, though, that somebody working on those things would have that type of clearance because everyone knows about that stuff now, but when it was being developed or worked on initially, how many people knew about it? Right. Yeah. You know, I'm just waiting. Like, I feel like on his deathbed, he's just going to drop something on me that's going to be like, wait, what? 
Because he won't. There's... He's gonna be like, I know who really killed Kennedy. No, he's gonna be like, yeah, the moon's a, the moon was man-made, and it's actually a mass weapon. You're like, what? And then he's just gone. <laughs> it's like what? <laughs> I'm I'm ready for something like that. That's what I want it to be. But, um, yeah, yeah. All I know is he, he was telling me about. Oh, now the dog's barking right outside the room. That's real cool. Um. But yeah, it's all I know is he was talking about a military base in Colorado, and he was like this military base in the side of a, a mountain, and uh, he was like I think this was the name of it, and I started looking it up and trying to find it, and it, I couldn't find anything on it. He's like, oh, that might be classified. I don't know if I should have said anything. And I was like, whoa, like what? It's Stargate, it's Stargate SG1, man. No, I was. I was like trying to pry for hours after that, and there, there's a certain point that he hits where it's like, nope, no more. And it makes me wonder, like, how are these older guys that worked when they were young doing this stuff to, to be able to keep a secret for so long, or or yeah. some of the things that these people must know that they have to keep secret has got to be hard. It's got to be a hard thing to do. Yeah, I mean, like Brian. Yeah. You know, I, I have no idea what that guy knows, but I'm sure there's stuff he's going to take to his grave with him that he can't even tell his wife. Right. Yeah, I know. It's, and, it's insane. And so, yeah, and but anyway, Stargate SG-1, for those of you that don't know, was a uh, sci-fi series that was produced in the early 2000s, and it's based in Colorado in an Air Force base that is hidden inside of a mountain. Dude, that could, it could be referencing a real military base. <laughs> he said this was the command it was a command center for the entire North America, basically a command center for the entire uh, North American region. It's like one of those centers that you go in and there's just monitors everywhere. That that's Stargate SG1, man. And there's a portal to other planets in there. I got we got to find out who wrote that thing cuz they knew something. Uh, just like the writer of James Bond in that documentary, it talks about how the CIA groomed him and actually helped him write the James Bond books. And then when they interviewed him, yeah, when they interviewed him about it, he was like, under the espionage act, there are things that I can't say in pertaining to how I wrote the uh, information, even though 90% of it was from personal experience. Uh, I would not be able to tell you how I learned those things to this day. I was like, what? So, so there are multiple writers but the original writer for season one, his name is Brad Wright. Interesting. Would not be surprised if uh, if the military or CIA helped write it. And I found out the reason the reason why they did it with James Bond was to paint intelligence officers in a in a good manner. To be like, I want to be like those guys. Those are cool guys. Uh, I can trust the CIA. They're killing bad guys. It was that sort of thing. Um, really? So I wonder if Stargate's a similar, a similar thing. All speculation uh, for Stargate, but the James Bond oh, stuff yeah. is true. It's complete conjecture. So Brad Wright is a Canadian television producer, screenwriter, and actor, best known as the creator of the television st- series Stargate SG One and Stargate Atlantis and Stargate Universe. So he just kind of rode a money train after he established SG-1. Interesting. Um, 
Let's see. But in April 2007, uh, he got recognized. But, yeah, I mean, like, you, you've you seen me watch Stargate. It's, like, one of my favorite shows up there with uh, Star Trek. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, there's a... Uh... I think we were uh, watching some episodes and even being like, this relates to something or this, uh, yeah. like there's, there's some weird things in it where it's like, uh, so, so for those of you who have never seen, seen Stargate SG one, the TV series, not the movie, I highly recommend the TV series. Please just white knuckle it past the, uh, poor, CGI special effects if you can because it is an excellent story and this might be the base that Caden's dad worked on. <laughs> Could be. That's that's really weird. I actually one time as a child went into a uh, top secret base and got stopped by a security guard and I didn't even really? I didn't remember it until my dad brought it up. But he uh, I don't remember what I was doing with him. But he took me to this place, and he was like, I got to grab something. And we went in this place, and we started going up this escalator, and a couple of guards stopped us. And the lady was like, you got to come with me and stay right here. And then they talked to my dad for a while. He went away, and then he came back, and we left. And he's like, yeah, I guess it was top secret. You're not supposed to be in there. I was like... <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, it's uh, interesting childhood experiences that I forgot about. Which, considering how big of a conspiracy nut I am, uh, you would think I'd remember that kind of stuff. Yeah, but it was probably insignificant to you at the time. Yeah, you're you're probably right. I was probably just like, oh, I can't, yeah, I can't go in there. Cause, uh, let's see, like, what are the things I remember from my childhood? I remember like my injuries that sent me to the emergency room, um, and a couple of random events during recess from like back when I was in grade school, but yeah. It's it, I mean like really unless it's a significant experience to you, you're not going to remember it, right? That's true. Yeah. Um I probably so, the only reason I remember the actual experience itself was probably cuz I was scared, if I were to guess. Uh yeah. If I wouldn't have been scared, I probably wouldn't remember it at all. Right. So. Exactly. And, and that's why it's significant, you know, like um, I got lost from my I got separated from my parents at this like Easter thing that they did used to do here in Sandy City. Uh, and the only reason I remember that was because I got separated from my parents and I was scared and I was probably like three or four years old. But the only reason I remember it is because it was a traumatic event, right? For me at the time, you know. So, it it, it really is like in, unless stuff sticks out in your mind as a traumatic event or important in some way, then. So basically, every time Easter rolls around, it's traumatic. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> you, know, you know. Zombie Jesus, hide the eggs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, like, that's it's basically where I'm at uh, with my ideas of memory anyway. Yeah. Like, I, I can tell you I went to, to work yesterday. Um, I can't recite for you 
any names of the p people I saw to pass meds to. The only thing I can tell you is I responded to two fights. Like, that's what sticks out in my mind. Okay. As most prominent. And that's probably the thing that's going to stick out in my mind next week. You know, is like, okay, so I... Because I, I go there and I have like 150 people that are all on medications and you're you're responsible to get everybody their meds and so you're like walking around handing out meds. Right. But like that's just background noise. Right. Yeah, it just kind of becomes routine. And now that I think about it, like all the stuff in security, most of the stuff that I remember is either really stupid stuff or – like right. when things got unconventional, I guess. Weird. Yeah. Um, or yeah. every time I've fallen downstairs, I can remember almost all of them. Yep. So yeah. every time so, you fall downstairs, so. you literally think you're dead. Especially if it's over <laughs> 10 stairs. <laughs> I've taken yeah, tumbles but, down I mean, 20 sets. The, that, that's, that's just the fact of the human mind is like it needs to be significant. You know, yeah. A lot of people, uh, your parents' age, if you ask them where were you when JFK, JFK got shot, or you learned that he got shot, they'd be able to tell you without even thinking about it. Yeah, I talked to my you parents know? about that about uh, like JFK Jr. and Princess Diana dying, and they were like, "Yeah, I remember that," but they're not ones to really yeah. remember things besides that kind of stuff. Yeah, but the, the, the that's the fact of the matter, though. Like it. I don't even know if I'll live this long. Probably not. But like 60 years from now, if somebody was like, where were you when 9-11 happened? I'd be able to tell them the exact moment I realized what was happening. Yeah. You know? And, and it it's weird, but that's just the way the human mind works. We don't hold on to the good memories as much. Yeah. Dude, speaking of fear, uh, I think you'd find this interesting, but... uh Jocko Willink had a, a guest on his podcast on one of the early episodes about a uh, they had a Vietnam Navy SEAL on. He was in one uh -huh. of the first. He, it was only when the Navy SEALs had one team, Team One, and okay. Jocko was talking about in like in in Afghanistan or Iraq, they have all these like special this special gear like night vision and all that. And he's like, the enemies wouldn't come out at the in the nighttime because they knew we ruled the night. And uh, so we would go out in the daytime because that's when they would go out. And this guy from Vietnam was like, you know, when we were in Vietnam, we went out in the nighttime and uh, we would have point we, we would have a point man who would stand in front and it's pitch black. We couldn't see anything. We didn't have air support. We didn't have all of this night vision. And he would go in front with a stick and fill for trip wires. And then he would have to grab the guy's hand behind him to lead him down to touch the tripwire and then help his feet over it. And they had to do that with the whole, uh, the whole team. Jesus. And the look on Jocko's face when he told him that is just like, this guy is next level. Like these guys, these guys are like true commandos. They had nothing. They had none of this technology <laughs> and they're in pitch black conditions where they have to step over, help each other step over trip mines. Jesus. Yeah, I can't imagine. Yeah, that's unreal. Completely unreal. Yeah.
different times. We've definitely progressed. I, I've been uh, watching off and on. I've been watching uh, Ken Burns' The War, which is uh, his documentary about Vietnam. Okay. And uh, he gets both sides of the story. Kevin, Ken Burns is really good about that. But it just like even just the regular infantry yeah. that were out there had to deal with some pretty heinous shit oh yeah on both sides and the crazy thing is the crazy thing is they weren't nearly as prepared either like basic infantry or even special operations didn't have the training that they have today because all the training has been because you know through experience all all of today's training is built off of past experience right you know like uh when i was getting ready to go to afghanistan they were teaching us how to try to spot potential IEDs or areas where like uh, pressure plates might be placed and stuff like that. And, and that came from the guys that went to uh, Iraq in 2003, 2004, you know, like, so it, it, it's all just building on itself. So like the guys 20 years from now are going to be using info that the units I was part of or associated with or whatever like my generation basically they're going to be using information like that to advance the game right and you guys probably had some of the most cutting edge uh experience in that in that type of warfare because unconventional warfare before then like the whole idea of ieds or vieds or any of that wasn't really a thing yeah and you guys were Basically, you know, going out or being out there uh, in a in a point where they kind of better understood what this unconventional warfare was like. Yeah, like uh, the military had acclimated to it, but it's still like a, a monster of its own. Right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, like uh, you get. You, you get all these experiences, and that's what trains the people ahead of you, you know? Right. There's a anti-shock, uh, well, not anti-shock, but it's like an anti-hypothermia unit called an APLS, A-P-L-S. Mm-hmm. It was designed by either a corpsman or a combat medic from the Army, I can't remember which, that uh, was part of basically a shock trauma unit or MASH unit in Iraq that was helping treat all these uh, um, combat injuries and casualties. And one of the killers of uh, multiple trauma victims is hypothermia. Okay. And so they started using uh, body bags and basically hooking heaters straight up into the body bags to uh, help keep these guys warm so they wouldn't die. This this medic or corpsman or whoever came back and designed an absorbent style body bag to keep people warm when they're experiencing massive blood loss and lots of trauma that have like Velcro slits in it so you can still access the patient. Right. And and it, it's it it's stuff like that wouldn't exist without this guy having to go through the situation where they were using body bags to try to save lives, right? Yeah. 
it, it's the same thing, you know, like these guys in Vietnam walking around with sticks feeling for tripwire. Oh, this would be a lot easier if we had something to see in the middle of the night with. Right. Right? Yeah, that's... Some guy comes back, he creates night vision goggles. Yeah, I can't imagine those those early, like, SEALs, especially the first generation of SEALs where the guys training them hadn't even really seen combat before. And uh, getting put in these situations. And even normal infantry, when I mean, th those were boys at that point, like 17. Like, getting right. trained not really knowing what combat was because the previous generation didn't really experience anything like World War II. And, I mean... Even now, most of the World War II guys are dying off. Um, so right. what we have to rely on now are, are uh, you know, more recent wars. But even, even like, it, it, the cycles that it happens in is so crazy. Because even the distance between World War One and World War Two, the the game was different by that point. Like no one knew that was coming. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Hey, hold on a second. I'm gonna pause. Okay, look, are you pausing now? Three, two, one, pause. All right. All right, man. I uh, don't know how much uh, post-recording editing you're going to have to do for this, but... I really hope not a lot. Hopefully it's not too e not too difficult to line up. It shouldn't be. shouldn't be too bad. Um, yeah, so I got my uh, receipt from buying this Glock online, so I'm now I'm more stoked. I have to drive a long way to get it, though. Where? Twin Falls. Okay. So it's uh, kind of towards Boise area, but honestly, the amount I paid for it is worth the drive. Yeah. And uh, the guy's super cool, too. Like, straight up was like, hey, I have five of them. If... Uh, He's like, you're one of the first people, so you get the first choice. If you want one in really good condition, it doesn't come with a case. If you want one that's a little bit worn, it does come with a case. Of course, I took the less worn one. I don't really care about the case. Right. Um, but, yeah. So, I'm freaking excited. That's awesome, man. Is your holster going to work for it, I, or do you need a new holster? I gave it to the guy for the with the car. Like He paid me... I don't remember how much I paid for that car. I want to say it was two twenty, something like that. This guy paid me. Okay. This guy paid me two eighty for it. It's not bad. Yeah, so it flips pretty fast. You know, pretty sure he was a drug dealer, but he showed me his license. So you know what? What he does with it is his own responsibility now. Yeah, fuck him. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And uh, before, like, I knew he didn't know what he was buying because when he looked at it, he was like. This is way nicer than my Taurus. And that just instantly rung a bell. Like, oh, this guy, this guy doesn't know. Yeah. This guy doesn't know. Yeah. And, I mean, car's not a bad firearm, but. Uh, from the gun shop owners that I've talked to, because I tried to sell it to the guy I bought the Glock from, he was like, I really have a hard time moving cars. Um, apparently, they're just not very highly in demand. I bet you more so after that documentary came out that you showed me. Yeah. I would guess that spiked their sales. That spiked them or dropped them? I would bet they'd spike them because they cause a little more interest. They're like, oh, a Colt used to own this or owns this thing. I want to buy one of those. Yeah. Um, 
But, yeah, I don't know. It's a decent firearm. It's just it'll be nice going from six rounds to 15. Well, and the fact that you can probably now pass uh, heavy-duty ammo through it, too. Right, yeah, without it just shifting the entire barrel. Um, yeah. yeah, and I plan on – I want to get my training up to, up to snuff as well as far as I want to get good with uh, – drawing from tactical bags or like over the shoulder bags um i want to get good at tactical reloading because now i have multiple magazines to pa uh, practice with and i i can show you all that yeah too yeah um uh how much how much acreage are you on again a about eight but i think there, it's too close to commercial now that i don't think we can shoot on our property anymore okay so that kind of sucks, but um, I live, I mean, as long as you're out of city limits and away from highways, you can pretty much shoot wherever. So, I mean, we drive five five to ten miles away from my house, and there's plenty of spots. I don't, I do not know what my uh, schedule is going to look like after this next week. Um, well, wait a minute, I probably do. Uh, if... If you want to give me a second, I can go look. Okay. One second. Yeah, I just, uh, so that's my biggest thing with, with getting this firearm. I'm going to get better at, because, I mean, there's there's certain situations that you can't, you know, hold something on your waist or hold a firearm on your waist. One of those places is the gym. Um, you know, if you wear, like, a holster in the gym, you're probably going to get talked to. But one thing you can carry with you is a bag. And if you're aware of the bag and how to draw from the bag easily, uh, you you know you can easily find yourself in a situation where you might need to defend yourself um, in an unconventional situation like a gym. So if that's the case, it's probably good for me to prepare uh, by you know practicing drawing from the bag. Reloading is a is a big thing. I'm pretty good at reloading. I'm around the second and a half mark to get a mag swapped out. Um, you know, understand the fundamentals of picking up empty magazines off the ground and covering yourself while you're doing that. Um, so just, I'm excited for getting this gun because it's going to take my ability to train with a sidearm a lot, lot farther than I could with the car. Because the car was six shots and I'm done. This, uh, right. this the 15 plus one is going to make a big difference. Um, and yeah. So if you're to if you're to come back down here, uh, when do you think you'd be coming back down this way? So next week. Yep, right? I, I get my oil pan on uh, the twentieth, and then I'm probably going to take the twenty first off to install the oil pan and go pick up the gun, and then okay, uh, then I'll probably come down the twenty fourth and then leave like the twenty fifth. Okay, so just for one night. Yep. Maybe maybe uh, on Sunday. Maybe I'll leave Sunday. We'll see. Cause uh, I work Sunday, but I have Friday and Saturday next week off. Okay. And uh, do you uh, like? So one one thing um, I would say is uh, first of all, you need uh, a holder for your spare magazines. Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh. And I, I would get all of that before you start working uh, with, with me because I'm not too familiar with the drawing from a bag or anything. But, like, 
from from the hip and then reloading from the hip also mm-hmm. I I'm pretty decent at. Uh, so I could help you with that if you have some of that stuff in place. Okay. Before you come down and meet me. Cool. Yeah, I've, I plan on probably buying a tactical belt just to get used to it and, and just to start getting sharp in that area, especially if it, I mean, I'm going to go through police academy regardless eventually, but um, I f- feel like by practicing beforehand can only help a little bit, especially because a lot of the uh, information that I receive is either from prior military or law enforcement anyways. So I know the information right. itself is good. I just know honing in those school or skills, like as far as um, like reloading in your workspace, like basically bringing the gun up to eye level so that you can quickly shift your focal point of your vision to the magazine as it drops out and you're reloading in. I've gotten my reload time to about one and a half seconds, somewhere in that area, um, where it's like drop the mag, reload from the waist, put it in, uh, you know locked and loaded and and ready to go but i do know that with having multiple magazines that'll make it a lot easier for me to you know get the skill fine-tuned by doing it over and over and over again right um but yeah no i've learned quite a few interesting things like as far as when you're dropping mags and reloading mags how to cover yourself and pick up the empty mags stuff like that um, but what, which honestly, uh, shouldn't be your primary concern if you're in that situation. Right. That, that really should not be your primary concern. Yeah. I just, um, yeah, at, at this point I feel like now I have a good firearm to really delve into training and go to the range a lot more and not be as, you know, bummed that I only have one mag that holds six rounds in it. Right. So that'll be nice. Plus, I'll get to learn a new gun to take apart, so that'll be fun, too. Right. But, yeah, like, honestly, if you're in a situation where you're having to drop mags and reload, your last concern should be collecting empty mags. Yeah. Um, there was, uh... I, I can't remember the situation, but there, were, there was a group of, like, uh... FBI guys mm-hmm. and they were doing a sting at least I was told this at, at one point in my life and uh, this was back when all the cops and stuff used to carry revolvers oh yeah yeah and and, and speed loaders like a 38 special when they were training right and uh, when they were training on the range these guys would uh, when they drop the brass out of the cylinder They'd, they'd catch it and put it in their pocket so they didn't have to pick up mm-hmm. after they left, like, once they were done shooting for the day. And then they'd reload. And that muscle memory kicked in, and it wound up, like, costing a couple of lives because they were collecting their empty brass before reloading. And, and so, like, when it comes to being in a situation where you have to do that. It, your last concern should be, oh, I need to pick up this ma- empty mag. Like, your your primary concern needs to be staying in the fight, keeping eyes on target, and continuing to send rounds downrange. Right. And and so, like, it was this one incident that sparked the change. Um, in in how law enforcement and military 
operate with that kind of thing. So, okay. Uh, so, uh, if there's one thing I could tell you as a takeaway, if unless you have cover to get behind, or you're like kind of semi behind cover, like your last priority should be collecting an empty mag, because if someone runs up and grabs an empty mag off the ground, they have one free empty mag, but they don't have your gun. Like, what are they gonna do with it? Right. You spend you spend forty bucks, fifty bucks, maybe, buy a new magazine and move on with your life. Right. I think this is more because that I think that makes a lot of sense as far as like military standpoint or like even concealed standpoint. I know this is from from the training that, and obviously this is all just you know, uh, informational training. I don't have the experience with it yet, but a lot of it seems to be, um, keeping your focal point covered, like having your firearm still pointed at the suspect. Like, let's say you have somebody in custody and other people are arresting them. It's keeping your weapon trained on them and crouching down to grab the magazine while not losing your focal point on keeping the barrel pointed at them just in case they get up and start running at you or something. Um, but and, and and that that makes sense to me, um, and and that's a slightly different situation. Like the situation I'm thinking of is uh, when those guys robbed the Bank of America in L.A. Mm-hmm. and they walked out with AK-47s with drum magazines and were just slinging rounds at cops. You know, it's like right. The the those cops shouldn't have. I, and I don't. I'm not saying that they were, but like the the last thing that should be on your mind at the time is picking up an empty magazine off the ground. Like you you need to be 100% focused on on that threat. Period. Yeah, that makes sense. So I I don't know if you've ever seen that video, but it's a pretty harrowing standoff yeah lasted for a long time yep i remember Um, i watched that one actually recently probably probably like a year ago yeah and i i think it happened back in the 90s and it was covered by a helicopter but i mean these guys came they came to play man and it if that's a situation, like, I, I just want to drill that into your head, even before we start doing reloading drills, is, like, your last concern should be for that empty mag on the ground. Like, because that empty mag, it's going to do you no good to collect it. Right. It doesn't have more bullets in it. It doesn't have, like, it doesn't have anything else to help protect you. It has no value to you. It's spent. Yeah. Yeah, so that makes sense. And, and I understand, like, okay, like, you have the suspect in custody. Uh, you and maybe a couple other guys have your weapons trained on him, and some rounds were exchanged. You've got this empty mag on the ground. There's uh, some officers approaching. Okay, I'm going to bend down and pick this up in my peripheral vision. But, like... Like, when shit hits the fan, like, you don't want to train that into your muscle memory. You just want that skill kind of in the back of your mind. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. You're breaking up just a little bit. Are you away from the mic at all? 
I am not. Interesting. It's probably it'll come through fine on. I was kind of moving around a little bit though. On Audacity, it should come through fine. That's the next thing I think. We'll we'll focus on is getting some new mics. I'm still using that headset just because I don't really have a way of harnessing this microphone to anything on the desk. Is there a way that we could uh, get some quality mics with headsets on them? Um, so basically how it would work is uh, we get a little microphone. It, how it would work for you is we can get you some headphones that plug into that soundboard and it will be, okay. it'll basically give you immediate feedback and I would do something similar um, on my end, but that hopefully that shouldn't be a, an issue long term. Um, yeah. So for sure. Yeah, we'll get sure. we'll get that figured out. I do want to say though, you may want to consider, even though you already have your um, concealed weapon license in Utah, may want to get one in Idaho as well, because Idaho's concealed weapon permit is actually recognized in more states than Utah's is. Huh. Uh, which is fun. It's comical to me because the only training you need to do to get it here is do an online course that takes ten minutes. Really? Yeah. I did the course through the Sheriff's Association. They're sending me a certificate. I take that down to the Sheriff's office and pay another 20 bucks, and it's, I'm done. $45. So, so, uh, but do I have to be a Idaho resident? You do not. So you can apply for non-resident permit, um, and that's what I'm going to be having. Um, and basically, okay. so you can go on their website, take that little test. You pay the 25 bucks. They mail you a certificate. Next time you're in Idaho, you take it to any sheriff's office, put in an application, wait the 90 days, and you get your license. Uh, and that one is accepted. The only one in the immediate vicinity that it's not accepted at, Utah's isn't, that Idaho's is, is New Mexico for some reason. Okay. Um, but there are, especially in the southern states, Idaho's is golden. In, in the southern states, whereas Utah's is, Utah probably has about seven or eight less states that are covered. Um, but, it, okay. but I mean, you know, it doesn't hurt to have two. It's uh, some, right. some people get them throughout every state. In California, you have to have a California one. They accept no other states. Same with Washington. Right. Same with or Washington accepts uh, residential Idaho ones. And residential Utah okay. ones. Um, Oregon, you have to get an Oregon one. So there, there's certain states that are ridiculous, uh, and that's pretty much all the training that you go through in the in the Idaho one. It's not necessarily how to fire a firearm. It's mostly like scenarios where it's it's like some guy comes up to you and says he's going to kill you tomorrow. He threatens you and says he's he's going to come hurt you tomorrow. You have the right to kill him. And it's like, well, I would hope no. so, but no. Could you imagine that yeah. if some guy's like, I'm going to come back tomorrow and hurt you and you could shoot him and be justified? It'd be ridiculous. Yeah, I, I would just be like, okay, I'm going to call the cops. Like, you're coming tomorrow, right? What time? Yeah, I was not aware you can't take a firearm into the into the post office. Oh, you can't? No, apparently not. That... The ones that explicitly said were the post office and courthouses. I mean, courthouses make sense. Um, in Idaho, I do know that if you're over the age of 21, you can carry a concealed weapon into a national park without uh, a concealed carry weapon or permit. Really? So you can enter Yellowstone with 
as long as you're in Idaho and you're over 21, you can have a concealed carry. Um, you can you can concealed carry in a national park. Interesting. And I think that has to do with kind of the, you know, animal protection and and that sort of thing. It's kind of along the lines of the hunting laws. Um, but yeah, Idaho is pretty lax on how you get your concealed weapons permit. You can either do that course or have gone through hunter's education, which I went through as well, but I thought I'd get the certificate just in case. Um, but the point of the matter is I'll be able to conceal carry when I come back. So I'm pretty, pretty happy about that. Are you going to get the Utah one when you come back? Um, I don't think I really have a need to, unless I plan on going. It, it really just depends. Cause I pretty much have all, I do have all the rights of carrying in Utah that I would in Idaho by having the Idaho one. Okay, so it's, there's reciprocity. So. Yep, Utah and Idaho have across the board um, acceptance of, of both. They'll take both of them. Uh, it's it's really cool. just going outside of some other states in the immediate vicinity. Uh, Nevada, Nevada has some weird stuff. Like if I wanted to carry in Nevada, I'd have to get one in Utah because I'm a Utah resident. Uh, Nevada will only accept residential concealed weapon license and the only one i'll have is a non-resident one okay you're kind of breaking up now too so okay but hopefully through audacity and mixing it'll work out yeah it should be fine i think it's just what we're hearing right um but yeah so yeah it's crazy i'm coming back with a concealed weapons permit and a new gun so i'm pretty freaking stoked and less debt that's good though and hopefully a new job. And hopefully a new job. That'd be cool. Yeah. So so May 31st is still your, your mark, huh? That's still my mark. Um, I'm actually a little bit ahead of schedule as far as, um, like, if I, come, if I come back then, my car will be paid off at that point. My collections accounts are taken care of already. I've paid off some loans, like, Pretty good shape financially coming back in the next month. So with the car, though, um, are like, what are you gonna do if you need to get a new car? Are you still gonna move back? Um, so I'm gonna pretty much run this thing into the ground. I think I've, I've, uh, I've, I've pretty much got a good idea of what's weak in the car. And the only thing that I'm having a real problem with is oil leakage right now. And I've looked under the car multiple times and tested it. It's definitely the oil pan. So I ordered the new oil pan and gasket. I'm going to replace that myself. And hopefully that fixes the leak. Uh, if do you, do you have the sealant for the gasket? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So it, I have everything, um, should be good to go. And uh, luckily, Subarus are extremely easy to work on. Uh, it's not covered by anything. It's underneath. It's a 14-millimeter ratchet. Undo the things, clean out the oil. It will drain the oil and then take it off, clean it off, put the new gasket on. Um, and it's actually just like a built-in sealant on the gasket itself. And then you push that up on. You drill in the 14s, and you're good. Just put a new oil, new filter, good to go. 
Nice. So hopefully that fixed the oil leak. It, if I can make this car last like 230,000 miles, this thing will last me another two, three years. I hope you can pull it off. I hope so too. That would save me a lot of money. So uh, when you move back, are you going to need help moving shit? Um, I don't think so. I think my parents are pretty willing to come up, especially my dad since he doesn't work, since he's retired. Okay. Um, Your mom's a crier, man. Oh, yeah. Should have seen last night when the dog ran away. Really? Oh, yeah. I mean, she was damn near on the verge of tears when, uh, just from me helping you move back up there. Right. Yeah. Like... Oh, thank you guys so much for helping and bring him back home. It's like, it's really not that big of a deal. <laughs> yeah, she's always been just very, very emotional. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, I, I'm pretty on track to come back. And even if I don't pay, that's, I've, I'm in the process of getting Uzi the uh, support animal stuff. So that saves me a lot of money on. I mean, that saves me $800 in moving expenses for a dog, which is kind of ridiculous yeah. that they even charge that much. So are you still looking at moving at that place off of uh, Highland? I ha You know, I haven't decided yet. I'm going to have to start looking because I just paid off. I mean, I paid off like four out of the five collections accounts from my past nice. that I really screwed myself on. Um, nice. And uh, so that... Once those start hitting off my credit, like once those get struck out, that's when I'm going to start putting in applications and, and really taking it seriously to look at places to move into. Okay. As long as it's Salt Lake County, I guess it doesn't matter, right? Mm-hmm. And at that point, like, that's what it's going to have to be. I, uh, like, if not those apartments that, that we were looking at or that are by your place, then, uh, Maybe in Sandy or something. Okay. So, either way, we'll... I know the house down the street from me is for rent if you want to get a couple of roommates. Ooh, I wonder how much the rent is. What? I wonder how much the rent is. I don't know, but you know that house that my friend was selling that was like that literally right down the street from my house? Yeah. That's the one. Really? Yeah, there's like an... Uh, they have a for rent sign in front of it right now. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know, man. I'm I'm kind of over like like I've had you guys have been good roommates, but as far as just roommates in general, I think I'm like over it. Well, I mean, at the end there we weren't terribly great roommates, I guess, but No, you guys were fine compared to some of the previous ones I had. You guys were like light years ahead. Uh, but just just sharing space in general. I I, I'm the type of person that having that one bed, one bath, like just a quiet place that I can meditate anywhere in the house or I can read or whatever. Uh, I, I would just go for a studio, man, if that's the case. See, and I thought about that, but I do want to have a dedicated spot for production. Um, okay. So just, that's fair. yeah, just trying to keep like the work and like sleeping and you don't want your shitter next to the fridge yeah i, I want to be able to relax in a different room than where i work i guess as weird as that sounds no that makes total sense to me but um and especially the price difference i mean prices are starting to actually come down in rent which is incredible 
You could move back into Royal Ridge. Oh, yeah, that sounds great. At least you'd be close to the Belgian waffle again. Yeah, that's that probably the only good thing about that place. Yeah. I actually heard, uh, what's her name, Shelby, uh-huh. talking about uh, that CBD shop next to the Belge. Oh, the yeah, the, uh, the American Shaman. Yeah. Yeah, she really liked she she recommended that place to me too. Um one time, she must really like it. Yeah. I went in to get coffee uh not the day after we helped you move back, but like the next week, uh-huh. like last weekend sometime and she's like, "Are you getting Cadence too?" I was like, "Cadence gone, man." She's like, "What what happened?" I was like, "I killed him and buried him in my backyard." and i was like no i'm just fucking with you he moved up to idaho to be with his parents for a minute and she's like really he didn't say anything to me i was like yeah it's crazy yeah i'll be back though i'll be back yeah i just don't i didn't want it to be like this big thing where i was telling people i'm leaving because then, like, once you solidify that and then people start reacting to that, then it makes it seem like a big deal. But, I mean, now it's almost halfway right. over. So. True, true. And, and honestly, financially, it put me in a different stratosphere. So. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with. And honestly. With those. Like, yeah, with the Trump bucks and stuff. That immediately went to pay the, off the collection stuff. Yeah. And if you had stayed here. I mean, with me working now, I probably wouldn't have asked for any rent money. Liz would have hounded me about it, but I would have been like, oh, whatever. Yeah. Um, and even even like, besides that, on, like, just food, I haven't spent, in the past two weeks, I haven't spent probably $10 on food. Nice. So that's... That, Saved me a lot right there. And I knew that would be the biggest downfall for me. Even rent aside is, you know, just getting food your, or, or. Yeah, your food expenses, your groceries. Yeah. What What was the name of that beer that you sent me a picture of? Uh, pub. The other pub. Day? Pub? Yep. And how many carbs are in that? Four. Four? So it's one less than Coors Light? Yeah, it's not. I don't think it's worth it, though, honestly. Like, I sent you that. And the more I had it, you get bad headaches. Really bad. Really? Yeah, it's... I mean, the slogan is cheap fun. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, uh, you know, I, I'm thinking about wrapping up this whole keto thing here soon anyway. Uh, I, I'm down to like 185 the last time I weighed myself. Nice. I'm, I'm going to weigh myself again on probably... Tuesday and see where I'm at. Uh, I've taken a couple of days to do carb breaks. One was one of those was uh, helping you move back and then the other one I uh, did at work. They had a food truck come and that food truck happened to be cup. Oh nice. So I was like fuck it dude. I'm stuck in gel all day. I'm going to go get me some cup box. Yeah. <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, you know what you should uh, do every time you should get, what? you should order a big stack of get out of jail free cards. And every time you leave the building, just give it to somebody as you're leaving <laughs> <laughs> or, 
Or just start sneaking them to inmates, just like, hey, you're welcome. I, I'm not going to sneak them into inmates, as funny as that would be. Yeah, um, yeah you never know what I, that could lead to, but if, if you could just be like, uh, you just put one in their like, cell, you're like, so, you owe so, me. So right now with the corona thing, mm-hmm. basically like everyone's on lockdown. And what that means is uh, they only allow like X amount of um, inmates out of their cell at a time. So it'll be like uh, there's four pods, and each pod has eight units, and each unit has like 32 cells, right? Yeah. Most of those have two beds per cell, okay? So they'll be like, okay, we're only going to let cells like one through seven out. So a maximum maximum of 14 people yeah. out, out of their cell at the same time because of this whole coronavirus thing. Uh-huh. And, um, so the way I have to pass meds now is I like kind of like pre package everything and, uh, have like the patient's information and cell number and, uh, what they call their sheriff's office number, uh, like written down. Okay. And I double check that against their little ID card that they give them in jail to make sure I'm giving it to the right person. But like I hand it to them in their envelope. Mm Mm-hmm in their little envelope that I put the meds in, I have to make sure I get that envelope back. Okay. Like they can't, they can't keep anything that isn't approved. So like, I, I don't want to get in trouble for handing out these, like get, get out of jail free cards, even though it's just paper. Yeah. You know, I want to keep them in my like, glove box. So if I get pulled over, I can hand it to the cop. And I know that, that I know it would get a laugh and that's the biggest thing. Yeah, yeah, that that would get a laugh for sure, for sure. But for, as far as my job goes, it's like um, I'll hand them to the deputies, but like I wouldn't hand them to the inmates. Yeah, as funny as that would be, I would not hand them to the inmates because it's like there's it's so crazy how many rules there are, and it's like people go like, well, yeah, duh, it's jail. Mm-hmm. It's like unless you've actually been in there, um, worked or been a guest, like you don't really know how many restrictions there actually are. Right. So. Yeah, that's fair. That is fair, but yeah, cup bop is worth breaking the thing. And you said next time you're gonna get the level ten when I come. Oh yeah, when you come back. Yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. So Yeah, you come you you come back here next week on Friday. We'll order cup bop. We'll record the show. I'll get a level ten. I'll shit my guts out through out the night. And then we'll go practice shooting and reloading. Nice the next day. Nice. My <laughs> my parents do not like spicy food and I was explaining cup bop to them. And uh so I, I I like spicy stuff. I get the spiciest salsa, anything I can get at grocery stores. So I'm eating this salsa, and I have my dad try it, and he's, like, freaking out over this. And this is probably, like, a 2 to me. It's, like, a level 2 out of 10. So, be, me, you know, okay. me being me, I ordered some De Bomb hot sauce, the stuff that we tried that one time. Alex's? Yeah, and, and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have him try that. Um, but... Even my mom bought this like jalapeno bagel, 
and she eats it and she's like, it's the spiciest thing I've ever had, blah, blah, blah. So I, I eat a bite of it and I'm sitting there looking out the window and I'm just waiting and I just start like big hearty laugh. Like, ha, 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 ha. Like, you know nothing. You know nothing. Dude, dude so uh, back when I was in high school, I worked uh, I worked at a grocery store. I started off uh, working at the, what they called the camera bar at the time. It was like, you, for those of you that are younger viewers... In the U.S. anyway. I know we have uh, some Malaysian and German listeners, which is bizarre. That is bizarre. But... It was a big spike in Germany. Du. It's probably because it's... Du hast. It's probably because the logo... Me. The logo is two pints being slammed together, and the Germans are like, Oh, this looks good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> you know... Be the most bizarre thing. Be the most bizarre thing if the podcast doesn't take off in the U.S. But then if you go to Germany, you're like superstars. Yeah, like (laughs) (laughs) show up in Frankfurt one day. Oh my God, it's you! (laughs) Yeah, yeah, go over there. We're like superstars. Be there for two weeks, and then you come back, and then find out the media page. No no one knows who the fuck you are again. You're just on the media, like these two Nazis going over, going over to Germany. They come back. <laughs> anyway, uh, back to what I was saying. When I when I worked at the grocery store, I eventually got moved into produce after a while. And uh, this was employee theft. I didn't really view it that way at the time because I was a teenager and fucking retarded. Mm. Uh, but my coworker and I were betting each other on like eating things mm-hmm. and so like i bet him to take a a bite just a straight up bite like he was eating an apple out of a raw white onion oh man. and uh and then he went over to the cooler and he grabbed a handful of habanero peppers and just stuck them in my hand and he's like you have to do this <laughs> <laughs> i thought i was gonna die yeah, it's it's a big deal. Like especially when you have a real chili instead of sauce, it's a different ball game. Oh yeah. Yeah, and like I legit like I had tears coming down my face, my like I had snot coming out of my nose. I was coughing on the verge of throwing up. I thought like I thought I was going to die. Oh, um, that's at a level 10 is it cut but hell, that's what the level 8 is it cut up. Yeah, like it it was it was pretty bad. Um but I deserved it. I like I kind of deserved it, you know, like he he's the one that chose to take the bite out of the onion on a dare. Right. Uh <laughs> But I I didn't force him, but it was I mean, like I held up my end of the deal. Exactly. God, I'll never forget that. That was like a pain that I can't even possibly describe to anyone else. And like I had to like chew it and swallow it. Like I had to eat it. It wasn't just like, oh, you have to take a bite out of this. Because for him it was like, okay, here's an onion. You have to take a bite out of this and like eat it and swallow the whole thing. Dang. And so he he peeled the skin off and bit into it like an apple. Just like Shrek, dude. Straight up. 
Oof, that's rough. Yeah. And because it was an onion, he was crying and stuff. And then he's like, here's some... He handed me like five or six jalapeno... Uh, not jalapenos, but habanero peppers. And was like, you have to eat all of these at the same time. Oh, that's too I much. I wanted to fucking die. That is too much. Have you ever eaten a habanero before? Yes, I have. I've done habanero... I've done jalapeno, I've done serrano, and I've done a ghost pepper. Okay, because jalapenos aren't bad in in comparison to habanero or serrano. Yeah, right, yeah. Jalapenos are like weak sauce nowadays. Habaneros are, that's at the level of Scoville where it's painful. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, Serranos are pretty bad, but I I have yet to have a ghost or a Carolina Reaper. The ghost is awful. Um, We had Carolina Reaper sauce one time that we gave to this guy. I was hanging out. I lived in Idaho at the time back then as well. And uh, we gave this guy like chicken fingers. We loaded up chicken fingers before he came over and we dumped this Carolina Reaper sauce on the side and told him it was ketchup. And he loves ketchup. So he like put the the thing in there and coated it in it and he ate it and he like almost lost his vision he was like i need to sit down i can't see (laughs) so yeah that was the yeah that that's mean man (laughs) like i think you're going to hell for that one probably but he, he was laughing pretty hard afterwards the carolina reaper is not to be messed with by any means and like the bomb hot sauce that we had was 130 Scoville units, 130,000 Scoville units. No, I think it was like over that. I think it was like somewhere around 300,000. Okay, it could have been. And but they make they make a hottest version, a hotter version of that same brand and it's 9 million. And at that point, that's that's three times as hot as a Carolina Reaper. So, I don't know who buys that. Um, but it is available. It's what? It's nine million. It's nine million, and uh, we can. Uh, I I say we order it, and both you and I try it okay. in front of the mic. Okay, I I'm willing to do that, but that is three times hotter than a Carolina Reaper. Okay. All right. It's uh, I think it's called uh, oh, what is it called? I think it's called the final answer. Okay. The bomb. I, I say we do that, and then we order a cup bop 10 to cool ourselves down with. Oof. Oof. <laughs> the bomb final answer. So this one, quest for the hottest hot sauce ends here. Okay, it's not 9 million. It's 1.5 million. But still. Still. That is ridiculous. 1.5 million Scovilles? Yes, and then the one that we had was Beyond Insanity. I'm pulling it up now. So they have the Ghost Pepper one, which I think is the most mild. Uh, which is... Doesn't actually say a Scoville rating. Um, yeah, it doesn't... Oh, wait. Each, each ounce is one, 1 million Scoville units. Okay. Now, De Bomb Beyond Insanity is uh, 135,600 Scoville units. 
consume one drop at a time with extreme caution. So this might be per drop, 135,000 Scoville units. I took a big dab of this stuff, and I was miserable. So the Beyond Insanity is, like, worse than the regular. Yes, and then they have the final answer, which is only comes in two-ounce thing. The whole thing is black, and it has crossbones and skulls on it. And <laughs> it's 1.5 million Scoville units. Per drop or per ounce? I think uh i'm not sure it doesn't say uh, let's find out man oh let's see here yeah i'm i'm up for it uh, oh it comes in a dropper it doesn't even it's not even like a hot sauce thing it's like an extract eyedropper it's one drop oh really one... like the old school vape droppers yeah <laughs> yeah it's i think it's 1.5 million per drop and yeah the... well, let let's do that one. Okay. I was gonna Are do, you down? Yeah, I was gonna do that. The prices were I was gonna get that one instead of the one I got, but the one I got was like ten bucks, so I was like, throw it in. And uh prime delivery nowadays is ridiculous. Um a lot of stuff isn't being delivered till May sixth for most items. Okay. But uh how much is that uh, it's final solution? $30, $30 for two ounces. I mean, I'm game. I'll, I'll give you 15 of the 30. Yeah, no, I'm 100% I'm game too. I think it's funny though. It says $14.7 per ounce, whereas the other one is four ounces for $10. It's $2 per ounce. So it's like uh, <laughs> the amount of... of not only does it cause you extreme pain, but it, they also charge you for it way more. And we'll have to get Richie on and get him to have some. That's what we should do. We should get. We should do four. Richie doesn't know Simon, does he? Uh, I. They may have met once at my birthday or something. That, yeah, that would be kind of an interesting podcast because Simon and I like even politically tend to lean more on the right. And I think you and Richie t tend to lean more to the left. So it may even be a good dichotomy of like people to have not and even outside of politics and talking about like the world's issues, solving the world's issues. Like it, it may just be a fun podcast to have. Right. Well, we need another mic. Mm-hmm. For sure. We can solve that. We can just get ourselves two nice ones and they can have the crap ones. Have these uh, newer ones for the guests? Yeah, the Chinese ones that are dipped in COVID. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm, I'm willing to, man. Uh, I, I would love to have uh, more guests on here. Uh, we've had guests in the past. You guys don't know that. Because if you're just barely tuning in, you missed a year's worth of work that we had to take down for uh, political reasons. Yep. We'll say. Uh, Marcus, I haven't forgot. I, I forgot the name, but I haven't forgot the face. Uh, it's hard to. Yeah, it, it really is. But... Uh, We've had guests on in the past, and we will have them on in the future once this whole fucking 
plague is over, uh, especially here at my house. I don't know how much longer Caden's going to be doing this remotely, but uh, even once he moves back to Salt Lake, we still have the ability to have a guest. Yeah, I love how easy it is to do the remote stuff, because now, now that I know how easy it is, it wouldn't be hard to get three people in a room and another one or two people remotely if they can't make it. Yeah. Which is so nice. Yeah. And even on Discord, like, I don't know. I have to find a better solution than, than Craig. Craig's unreliable. Uh, and he's a bear. Uh, and actually, he's not real. But I'll have to find a better solution than, than that. Than that. Um, can, I, can I make a suggestion? Yeah. Because you and I are talking through Discord right now, but recording it on Audacity. Mm-hmm. Would the person that we're talking to need to have Audacity as well, or can we link Discord into Audacity and just record the audio file that way? Uh, I'm not entirely sure. We may... Oh, I, I, I'm trying to find a good solution for it, because I know all the main... Uh, like... Um, all the main people, like the big podcasters, will basically have a small computer on the side that records the audio of everyone else. And then okay. the, in the studio, you use your normal computer to record the people in the room. Uh, and I have a small portable computer that I can bring that, you know, that is able to record the audio of Discord while we record our own personal audio in the room. So I think, I think there are some ways around it. I just need to do a little more research, but it's definitely opened up the gate for being able to have remote guests. Cause there's a lot of people that live across the U S that, uh, you know, may not be able to easily get here. And I'm talking to you, Denver, my, my brother. Yep. Yeah. I, and that's, uh, another thing, uh, for me is, you know, I, I I do want more guests, but convincing somebody to to do this is is a lot. Like uh, my my buddy Chris, sorry Chris, I used the word like. I've probably used it a lot. I haven't pointed that out yet today. Go fuck yourself. Um, Has he talked to you since we posted the the first one talking about him? Yeah. Yeah. What did he say? Uh, Chris is a pretty easygoing guy, you know. Uh, he's he's Chris. Okay. I I don't know how else to explain explain it, but uh, he's also the one that requested that I do the uh, rock climbing show. Oh, okay. Specifically, and so Chris, for your information, I'm trying to line that up. I'm just getting through finals and my state test right now to get fully licensed and that's what the holdup is. I'll text you that after we're done recording tonight. But he also told me in his communication that apparently what you and I are doing takes a lot of balls to just put ourselves out there like that and not a lot of people are willing to do that. Yeah, and I, Chris, yeah. Chris is one of the more carefree and socially brave people I know. Mm-hmm. 
So getting remote guests might be an issue if they're not used to the format. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I think it's, yeah, every, it's kind of awkward the first time for, for anyone. For sure. Um, it's like being on a radio show. I mean, that's, that's how a lot of, uh, people call into radio shows. It's just on their cell phone. And, uh, right. It's just different. It's a different, uh, atmosphere or people feel like they need to perform i mean i know a lot of people that cody's a good example where when he gets on the mic he like transforms into this energetic like person or tries to be a performer and like that's fine it doesn't work like it 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 can work but it's it's um it's one of those things that certain people do feel like they need to put on a show when they're in front of a microphone and i think i felt like that for the first little while but now that i'm used to it it's different. Yeah. Uh, but I, I totally noticed that one with Cody when he was sitting here with us. Uh, he wasn't the same person. Yeah, he he definitely gets more energetic, gets more – yeah, it comes with experience, I guess. But that's interesting Chris would say that about, like, putting ourselves out there because I don't feel that way at all. I'm just talking into a microphone. Yeah, I mean, that's true, but at the same time, you have to take into account recent events like Marcus. Yeah, right? yeah, that's true. Like, you you and I are both like, oh, we're just talking into a mic, having a conversation. But then you you move forward, and it's a whole thing where... I actually am putting myself out there if you think about it. And yeah, some people can't cannot get over that. And I don't necessarily think that would have been a problem in my like what I'm currently pursuing. I think it was a big wake up call to me being like uh, you know, maybe chasing something in a field that I didn't really belong in in the first place. Cuz now okay. now going after like being a cop cuz I've said I've wanted to do that for a while or I've wanted to get into something that's a little more edgy that keeps me on my toes. And, uh, I don't, I don't know. I, th- I feel like now I don't think any screening process for police departments would have cared about what I said, but at the same time, it's, it's, uh, you know, I, I just am going to be a little less cause it, I felt like with the old episodes, I was trying to be unfiltered on purpose like push the envelope. Oh, you, you, you felt that way? Yeah, I felt like I was trying to consciously push the envelope to the point of offending people. See, and I, I've never felt that way, and even to an ex- extent, I feel like I've been somewhat reserved because I'm aware of the exact situation you found yourself in. Right. Yeah, and so... Yep. That That's kind of where I'm at, like... Uh, you know, we're not full on comedians yet and probably never will be, to be honest, but yeah, I don't plan. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do the, that sounds awful. Um, now if it came down to, you know, developing humor and getting to the point where the podcast is funny enough where like we could do live shows and experiences that way. That's that's different for me, 
than I guess going up and bombing on a stage and no one knows who you are. Like going out and doing a show where people already know who you are is totally different. Um, Oh, for sure. And I mean, you look at those guys, uh, wise guys, amateur night. Yeah. Right. Or open mic night or whatever. It's like cringy. And, and you're like, these guys have fucking balls. Yeah. You know, like there's not a dump truck in the world big enough to carry these balls. Yeah. No, it's, that's rough. They're literally standing in front of hundreds of people that are getting drunk and have no filter. Yeah. And I, I'm putting it out there. I'm very aware that our podcast definitely appeals to probably more people in, uh, law enforcement or, or military or previous military. Uh, And if that's the case, if I get into this law enforcement thing and and develop friendships in that, not only does that open up a a networking opportunity for having people on, but it's more exposure to, you know, people within the community. Correct. Um, But I don't know, man, the, the idea of these, these parties that law enforcement have that are like, they'll, they'll just have parties over at somebody's house and, uh, I don't know. I guess I kind of miss some sort of camaraderie in the workplace rather than just having co-workers. So yeah. that's another reason I'm going after this. Yeah, and, and that's that's something I do miss about the military too. Yeah. Is, you know, I, I lived across the street from two guys in my company, uh, one of whom was in my platoon, mm-hmm. you know, and we we hung out with each other constantly and i do miss that i really do miss that and you may find that i mean you just started at the jail but it it could get to the point where you have you know closer bonded relationships because what you guys do is definitely high stress and and when that like you said, when friendship gets tested under something like i don't know like a riot or something like what's i don't know i don't know what happens but like you never know. Yeah, uh, when when um, when people are b- brought together under extreme circumstances, it's it brings them together a little closer. Yeah. So. Yeah, and it just like, like honestly, it it feels like, and I don't know, just me personally, and being in those situations, it makes you feel more alive, I guess, in the sense of like you yeah. you're not, you don't feel depressed. Like you're, you're not yourself isn't depressed. Your emotions aren't depressed into acting a certain way or being a certain way because it gets it gets raw. You become raw, um, and those emotions and experiences are shared with other people that can relate, and and that's really important. Yeah, and and for me, uh, you know, I think that was part of my problem with working at the hospital is everyone sits there and they they put on their happy face and you know they go out and do their job but they're not willing to talk about or or accept or be vulnerable in front of their coworkers to the point of like showing how they really feel about the situation right they they literally get their excitement from getting other people in trouble because they're so miserable that, that or you know it's just like you know, you can't, the best way I can describe it is like growing up here in Utah. That's, 
And maybe it's because I worked in a hospital in Utah, but you know, uh, you have a culture that's built around like uh, conservative moral values or whatever, modest is hottest sort of a deal, mm-hmm. and uh, you have people like deep down that are repressed and they just want to get out there and they want to like get dirty so to speak and in in the hospital i worked in it it didn't feel that way because it's like hey i'm having a hard time today you know i i have x amount of patients people are calling on me left and right left and right but i'm i'm not allowed to be upset about it right you know like everyone has to put on their sunday best constantly in front of everyone else. They they can't be who they are behind closed doors, which irritates the hell out of me. And I, I don't see that at the jail, which is a really big breath of fresh air. Like, when people are frustrated, the other nurses and stuff, they'll come in and be like, I just don't understand why things are this way or that way. And you can kind of commiserate and, like, talk to each other about it versus being at the hospital and you're like well i'm just gonna have to wear this fucking plastered on smile all day right and choke it down choke it down choke it down and then go home and kick my dog beat up my wife and drink a fucking 12 pack right on my own yeah see here it's uh it's it's surprising how different the culture is here too because people are genuine out here but they're either really genuinely nice or genuinely mean and it's it's not like this sense of New York mean, where it's just like everybody's constantly just like, hey, you know, what do you do? Like, nothing's going to amount from it. Fuck you. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. not like that. It's just <laughs> people are like, will be like nasty to your face or they'll be extremely nice to you. And it's it's all genuine. So it's there's a sense of genuine um, communication out here. But the biggest thing is That's like. That's good. Yeah, it's either genuinely really nice, like really, really nice, or really, really mean. Like, the amount of... I feel like people treat me like an outsider here. It's so strange. Because the town... Even though you grew up there? Yeah, because the town is small enough where it's like you see a new face. Because I've, I've been gone for five, six years. And you come back, and it's like, you know, there's two or three gas stations. And it's like the hangout spot. And people see you there, and there's the regulars, and they're like, who's this new person? It's like, oh, they have a Utah, yeah, you, Utah license plate. Yeah, you you told me very much so that your uh, hometown was a lot like the show Letterkenny. Yeah, it's definitely gotten bigger. Like, they've, they've, uh, they have a Wendy's now, and they're building an Arby's, which is crazy. Um, so, speaking of said Wendy's, I want to go to that Wendy's. Yeah. And when when I helped you move up there, and that fucking line, bro, the line at that place was unimaginable. Yeah, that's the nearest Wendy's in 15 miles. I was like, fuck this. Yep. Fuck <laughs> yeah. this. Hardcore. Yeah, it's, a, it's there's only a few restaurants in this entire town. There's the Wendy's. There's a Chinese restaurant, which we all know. You know, no one's going there right now. Um, I should have told you there's this place called Bambinos, which is like a, they're basically mini pizzas. They're about the size of a grapefruit. And uh, 
imagine a pizza with crust over the top too. So it's like a pouch. It's like a pouch of pizza. Okay. And that's that's one place I always hit up when I come back here is because uh, it's it. There's nothing really like it that I've had anywhere else. Did you ever go to uh, Italian Village here? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that. That's one of my go-to's here when I'd like come back when I was in the military and I'd come back home to visit family. Like that was one of the places I would go to. Yeah, the calzones are amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I like that place a lot. But um, yeah, dude. Uh, so next weekend I plan on seeing you down here unless I hear anything different. Yeah. Uh. I think I'm going to wrap it up. I have to pee really bad. All right. Probably a good time. We're about at the two-hour mark. Yeah. I kind of figured. Cool. So uh, we would be slightly past two hours if Craig hadn't failed us. Yep. But, you know, it's Craig. What can you do? Exactly. It's free. So that's that's what I remind yeah. myself. Exactly. So this has been another episode. Ep- episode, sorry. This has been another episode of Cheap Shot Discussions. Please email us at cheapshotdiscussions at gmail dot com, and uh, give us any suggestions, comments, feedback. We'll read it. Don't know if we'll follow it. We will address it on the next episode after we we read it. This is Dallas and Caden signing off. Bye. Adios.